Amen. Thank you, Callie. What a blessing. What a journey Paul's been on. He left for Rome, and uh, he come into that storm. He got blown way off course. They're not eating right. The uh, sailor and guards are not eating right. They want to throw him over the, over the board. They want to kill him several times during this journey. They're scared for their lives, not knowing what's going on. There's crazy, I mean, there's crazy uh, prisoners telling them something like his God is, you know, he's hearing voices. This, his God is telling them that, that they're, not, they're going to be okay. And most of the sailors, don't, they're not believers. Most of the people on the ship aren't believers. It's not like they believe in this God. They believe in all kinds of gods. And this guy's God is telling them it's going to be okay. And it's not looking good. They're trapped in this, this ship, 475 miles off course. And they come near land. And, and the guards, they can't keep a secure position. So let's just kill the. There's 276 people on the ship itself. We don't know how many of those are cards and how many of those are prisoners, but you guys think there's probably more prisoners than there are guards. Let's just kill them all. See, in the Roman world, if a guard loses a prisoner, if the prisoner escapes, then that guard has to take on the punishment of the person that would have escaped. So if you let a murderer escape and they were sentenced to death, then you were put to death. You let someone whose hand was supposed to be cut off, then your hand was cut off. It's the way they kept their guards from letting people go. It's very serious. These guards are like, why should we let them live when we have to take their punishments? Let's just kill them all right now. Because that was legal. And this, so there's a, let's, let's keep them from uh, facing, let's keep ourselves from facing this punishment, let's just kill them. But the centurion, um, centurion, who had been very well with Paul, had been keeping him alive and treating him well, even had Luke on board with him, traveling with Paul, is um, kind to his position. And listens to Paul and persuades the other prisoners from uh, the other guards from taking action and from killing Paul. And so they have to swim to shore as they get caught in a reef. But what Paul said came true none of them were harmed. So they land on an island of Malta. And we're not exactly sure which one of those dots it is. But the land on Malta, Melita is an island about 18 miles long and about 8 miles wide. In the Phoenician, which is the original language of the name Melita, it means a place of refuge, which is a, a fitting, um, fitting name for this island as it becomes a place of refuge from the events in Paul's life. The most common place for Paul's landing is now called St. Paul's Bay. 
once they're on land on this small island, they're welcomed. But as Paul is putting sticks on the fire, a snake comes out and bites his hand, which sounds ridiculous, but it's actually not that uncommon. Snake, sensing the warmth from the fire, came out and did what snakes do. It bits Paul in the hand. The people say Paul must have been really bad. He must have been a murderer because when he survives the storm, justice or vengeance comes and takes him. The word there in the Greek is uh, dike, which is the goddess of justice and punishment. So it's something like the daughter of Zeus. So it's saying you survive the storm, you survive let's say, Poseidon's wrath, and still DK comes and and, and bites you, takes you. You must really be hated by the gods. And that's what's going through their mind. Because remember, they're worshiping multiple gods, saying the gods caused the storm, and still justice comes. The, The goddess comes and takes you. I was reading through some poetry, um, and I came across um, an epitaph that was actually written by a man that the same thing had happened to him on the Libyan islands. And it says, oh, he escaped the storm, the raging murder sea, but as he lay stranded in the Libyan sands not far from the breach, a heavy sleep with him, at least naked and destitute, weary as he was from the terrible shipwreck, a viper struck him dead. Why did he struggle against the waves? Had he not escaped the lot he was destined for on him on land? And I think, you know, this could have been Paul's epitaph, right? This could have been what was written about Paul in the end. If he had died... But the snake bites him and they're expecting him to swell up and die because the venom turns your blood into a solid and you swell up to die and he doesn't. God protects him from the snake bite. And so the islanders decide that he's got to be a god or perhaps just favorited of the gods. And they take him to the plubius of the island and he heals the man. Plubius means first man. First man of the island. So he's taken to the head, the chief, And he's able to heal him. And even in the midst of all this chaos that's going on in Paul's life, and you think, I I imagine that snake bite, it wasn't like, oh, this feels good. No, it was probably painful. All of this going on, God uses Paul to spread the message of Jesus Christ. Through this storm to this this island that probably would have been forgotten otherwise. 
made me think of that hedge of protection. Going on along with the idea of the storm we talked about last week, it made me think of that hedge of protection that we're always praying about. Put your hedge of protection around us. We want safety. We want safety for our families. We want safety for ourselves. No one wants bad things to happen to them. But I think about that hedge of protection. And I think sometimes when we seek that hedge of protection so strongly that we avoid obstacles in our lives, we miss what God is going to send us through. The glory of God is negated. Paul sure didn't want to be uh, swept off the, 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 in the storm. He actually advised them, this is a bad time to be set in sail. And if they would have listened to him, they would have been safe on the shoreline while this storm went by. They said, well, we're going to go through it anyways. Paul didn't want this to happen. But God sent the storm. And this tremendous, and even the, the snake bite. He was a witness for the soldiers. He was a witness to the people on the ship, the, the prisoners on the ship. He was a witness for the passengers on the ship. He was a, a witness to the people on the island. I think about distress and how it often leads us out of our comfort zone. That's why it is distress in the first place. Because it leads us out of our comfort zones onto journeys unexpected. Last time we were here, we talked about uh, trust in God in the difficult times. That's part of worship Him. But if we are honest in our worship of God, then we, we will be, that He'll be with us and it's God's will, then therefore we're going to be, end up glorifying God in the troubled times. And if we read the Scriptures, especially like in the Psalms, you see the Psalms of distress, disorientation. And we see that it is often these times of disorientation in our lives that lead to better and more growth, betterment, wholeness, and God's glory. Because we show the love of Jesus Christ. John Maxwell, um, author and motivational speaker and Christian, says opportunity is birthed out of problems. And when I read that, I thought, wow, how true is that? Opportunity is birthed out of problems. Think about your own life. 
how the opportunities that grow us into the betterment, the best people we can be, they come out of problems. You know, one of the reasons we don't grow as a nation is because we don't look for the problems. We don't want to solve the problems. Opportunity grows in the problems. Birthplace, he continues on to say, is the opportunity. Uh, birthplace of opportunity is always the adversity. In fact, if you're looking for big opportunities, seek out, seek out big problems. I was thinking about it. He must have been thinking of this passage. Big problems lead to big opportunities where Paul here is open to witness to people that would never hear this in the city of refuge. And I think, where has that taken me? Where has that taken you? How many of you can think of opportunities in your life that came out of problems? You know, a lot of times if we, th- if we think there's no opportunity in my adversary, it's because we're not looking for it. Because we want that hedge of protection to go around us and we don't want to grow. We don't want to travel where God wants us to travel. We don't want to go through the valley of the shadow of death because it might lead us to somewhere better. We want to be where I'm fine where I'm at. But you, you can travel the path of trouble and come out stronger on the other side. Come out whole on the other side. And it doesn't happen overnight. A lot of us, we want that, you know, we want to be whole instantly, right? God, just heal me like that person that, you know, he rose from the dead. That's not what he did to Paul, is it? He didn't just say, okay, Paul's there, let's not make any storms. Paul's there, let's make it smooth sailing. Paul's there, we're not going to have any snakes near that fire. Paul's there, so let's go through the storm. Paul's there, so let's make sure that snake bites him. Paul's there, so let's allow that first man on the island to be sick so that Paul can heal him so that others can come and believe in him. We have to go through the troubles in life. And it isn't easy. It isn't fun. It's a time of disorientation. Disorientation means you don't know which way's up, right? Think about an avalanche or a caught in a wave on the beach where you're swept and you're knocked off your course and you don't know how you're going to survive. You don't even know which way is up. You got to look for which way is up so you can get your bearings so you can move through the, the avalanche. 
so you can move through the storm. And that time of disorientation when your life seems like a wreck. That's when God will get the biggest glory. Because he's going to bring you through it to make you whole again. To make you better. So that others may know him. We just got to stay faithful to him during that time of trouble. And that's the hard part, isn't it? The temptation would be to say, absolutely, I'm giving up, I'm done. Or to run off. Or to say, God, you don't really care about me. You're not really my God. All these other gods are trying to take me and let them take me. It'd be tempting. It's easy for us to give up. And we see evidence of that throughout the scriptures of times when people did do this because they're mirrors of our identity. And think back of your own life with the times where you were tempted to give up. Some of you did give up. And you missed the opportunity because you didn't hang on through the storm. So there's our challenge today. That's our next step. That's our, 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 our focus is what storms are heading your way. And when we're going through them, maybe you're already going through them. Maybe you've been going through them for years in your life. So long you're not sure if there is an outcome in your life. The temptation is to run and you have to hold tight. To wrestle with God. To hold tight to Him is the only way to win. And so we hold tight to Him. Until we find that new place of new orientation where we're made whole and others around us are made whole. And God is glorified. Even if you gave up at one point in your life, there's still a chance to take where you realize that you've failed. And to learn from that. Because there's never just one storm in life, is there? Sometimes we have storms within storms. I mean, Paul's in a storm. He's off course. It's dark. They can't find their way. They're starving. There's a, there's a storm within a storm within a storm on this story. And as soon as you make it through one... There's always another valley to go through. Our, even if we fail in one, we can learn from the other not to give up, but to look for the opportunity. So we ask ourselves, where has God put us? Where are you being brought through the storm?
through this period of disorientation? How can you help, if you're not in a period of disorientation, how can you help someone who is in a period of disorientation? Don't forget to encourage one another. And I'm going to say this, encouragement is not quoting a Bible verse at someone and throwing it out there. That's not really encouraging. Encouragement is coming up beside someone, knowing their needs and lending a helping hand. And some of you out there have the gift of encouragement, that gift of exhortation Romans chapter seven, uh, 12 talks about. We're all called to encourage, but some of you have that gift. A special divine encouragement. Your next steps may be just to get through the storm. Your next step may be to help someone through the storm. Your next step may be to make that phone call where you helped Put someone in a storm. What's your next steps today? Father God, we praise you in the midst of... Amen. Thank you, Manuel. What a wonderful blessing. What a trip Paul's been on. Oh my goodness. Last two weeks we talked about the troubles Paul's been on. Just with his one trip. Mm. gets out on the storm, gets out on the water. He said, don't go. It's too dangerous. But you know they went. They went out there and they got swept 475 miles off course. They were starving because they'd thrown you know, Moser gear off the... And what they did, they were afraid they were going to lose out. The guards have wanted to kill some of the pa- the prisoners and some of the passengers multiple times during this trip. All along, they have some crazy prisoner telling them that his God is going to save them, and then they're not. It's not like these these people are believers. He, they believe they're 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 they believe in multiple gods. And they said. But his, he says his God's going to save them. And as they come near land, they get beached. They run up on the, they don't even get to the beach. They run up on the, the reef and they have to swim in. And, and the prisoners, the, 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 the prison guards, which are outnumbered by the prisoners, there's 276 people on this boat. And we don't know how many of them are prisoners and how many of them are guards and how many of them are passengers. But it's likelihood that there's, a handful of guards and a lot of prisoners and maybe a couple of guests like uh, like Luke. And so we have this 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 unsecure situation. And so the guards are wanting to kill the prisoners. See in the Roman world, if you were a prison guard and you let the prisoner escape, you got that punishment. So if you let a murderer who is on death row escape, well, then you were put to death. 
But you let someone who owned fines, well then guess what? You had to pay the fines. It was a way they kept their prison guards from letting people escape. Taking responsibilities. And so these guards, we're not going to let them escape because I don't want to be held responsible for any of these people. And they can't control them. But Paul is there, and there's a centurion who's been nice to Paul this whole time. He let Luke travel with him. He's been keeping him alive, listening to him. And this kindness of him, he talks the others away from killing the prisoners. And so they will get to shore, but they're going to get to shore. They're going to have to get a little wet. They're not going to get to sail there. They're going to have to get in the water and swim. And if you can't swim, well, then you doggy paddle on a piece of driftwood. Parts of the ship that's broken away. This is not how they planned on traveling, is it? They were going to go to Rome with no problems. And so they land on the island of Malta. We don't know exactly where he landed. The island of Malta, Melita, is about an, an island about 18 miles long and about 8 miles wide. That's it. That's the island. In Phoenicians, its original language, the island name, Malata, means place of refuge. That's a fitting place to be run aground on, this place of refuge. And take refuge from the storm in the place of refuge. That's a fitting name. The most common place we associate with the uh, landing of Paul is actually named St. Paul's Bay now. And when they get to this island, it seems like they're warmly welcomed. But Paul... His storm isn't done yet. Mm. He gets to go put some firewood on, and he gets bit by a snake. Now, this would not have been uncommon. The snakes are attracted to warmth. We know that. This is the time of year if you're going hiking, bring a snake stick because they're out. They're attracted to warmth. And while he was out there in the warmth, snakes do what snakes do. They bite him. And as they're expecting Paul's blood to thicken and he's going to swell up and die, he doesn't. He doesn't die. God saves him. But they're sitting there thinking, Well, this guy must be awful. He must be a murderer, the worst of the worst, because he survives the storm, which in their mind is caused by probably Poseidon. And then it says that vengeance or justice comes and strikes him. The word there in the Greek is dike, which is a goddess of justice and punishment. She's the daughter of Zeus. So in their mind, he survived what the gods have thrown at him, and even that, the gods are still seeking him. Going to strike him out. 
So he must be the worst of the worst. In some poetry I was reading, I come across an epithet of a man who something similar happened to him on the Labian shore. It says, Oh, he escaped from the storm and the raging of the murderous sea. But as he lay stranded in the Libyan sand, not far from the beach, a heavy, with heavy with sleep, at last, naked and destitute, weary as he was from the terrible shipwreck, a viper struck him dead. Why did he struggle against the waves? He did not escape the lot which was destined for him on land. This could have been Paul's epitaph. This sounds like it was written about Paul. It wasn't. This is about another sailor. This is what he... Why struggle? It's so hard. Why fight through it? You can't survive. Your lot is made up. But that's not what happened to Paul. Mm-mm. Paul survives the snake bite. And because he doesn't die, the people of the island think he's a god or at least favored by the gods. And they begin to bring him to the first person on the island, the chief of the island. And he becomes a center of attention as he heals this man, the father that's sick. And then all the people on the are healed. Because Paul is worshiping God. As I read this story, I think the amazing work of the Holy Spirit that God has done in this story. But I think about my own life, right? I think about that hedge of protection. We're always praying, God, put that hedge of protection around me. I'm going to be going on a trip soon. I'm going to pray, put that hedge of protection around me. I wonder if Paul thought, put that hedge of protection around me. You think you thought, oh Lord, send a storm to shipwreck me and I want to be starving for 14 days and when I swim ashore, I want to be bit by a snake. Dear Lord, this is my prayer. You think that's what he prayed? No, of course not. He doesn't want to suffer. No one wants to suffer. We want that protection around us. But I think also as I read this passage, I think about how this storm led Paul to grow and for the glory of God to be shown where it wouldn't have been shown if the storm had not come. Look at all the people on the island who heard The words of Paul, because Paul was shipwrecked, blown 400 miles off course, reefed, bit by a snake, and didn't die. And it wasn't like, oh, well, he was in no pain. That's not how the Bible describes it. They expected him to swell up and die. Didn't say there was no pain. 
I imagine he was in quite a bit of pain. Snake bites, I mean, anything bites you. You're not, not talking about comfortable. And all that because he went through the storm. As I think about this, I think about how distress leads us out of our comfort zone. That's one of the reasons it is distressed. Because it leads us out of that comfort zone where we like to be into unexpected places for the glory of God. Last time we talked about being faithful to God in the storm and trusting Him in the storm and our willingness to be glorifying God. And, but this time we're talking about how it's through this disorientation that we grow. It's through this time of disorientation that we change. Disorientation is, that, that word means you're not oriented. You don't know which way you're going. You don't know which way is up. I like to think about it and like you're surfing and you get caught up in the waves. Or you're in avalanche and, the, and the, you, you don't even know which way is up anymore. You're so caught off guard, you don't know which way is what. That's disorientation. Not like, hey, I got to, oh, I think I might be lost. Let me, oh, no, 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 no. That's not disorientation. Disorientation is I am confused. I'm out of my comfort zone. I'm hurt. I'm crying. I don't know which way I'm up. I don't know which way I should be walking. You ever get caught in one of those waves? You don't know which way you should swim. If you swim in the wrong direction, you might be swimming down to the ground. Disorientation is a hard place to be. It's a struggle. But it's through these, often, these difficult, hard times that God uses for His glory, but to make you whole. He takes you further than you ever thought you would go through times of distress. Times where you feel unhealthy and He's going to take you to a place that you're in the better. And the world around it is better for it and it isn't easy but the real challenge is not going into the storm that's going to catch you whether you like it or not you can try to sit on the couch all you want but if you're in life that storm is going to come storms come you're going to find where you don't know what's going on. Some of you have been caught up in that storm so long, you don't even know that there isn't a storm in life. That's how life has been for you. It just seems like one big storm. And you've got storms inside of storms. And that's okay. That's where that disorientation is. You're so confused. And our life is about 
And that temptation, is, 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 it's going to come. But the temptation for us is to give up. Our temptation is going to say, well, God, you don't really care for me. Our temptation is to say, well, if you, did, you would allow me to go through this, that means you don't love me. Our temptation is going to be trying to run out of the way we best see possible. Our temptation is going to say, well, I want to hold on to another deity that will get me out of this. Promises it will make it all better. Our temptation is not to get in the storm. That's going to happen. Our temptation is to not hold on to God. And how does this come out okay? How does this storm come out okay? It was because Paul held tight to Jesus Christ. He held tight that he was going to be okay because Jesus was with him. Because Jesus was leading him through the storm. And that's where our challenge has to be. That's where your challenge has to be, is that when you're in the storm, no matter how long you've been in this storm, is to hold tight to Jesus. I think of that story where the man was wrestling with God. The only way he wins the wrestling mat is not by pinning God, it's by holding on to Him till the match is over. The only way we get through this is by holding on. And that's when God will give you the opportunities and grow you into something you never thought was possible. Lead you to a place of new orientation. A place where God is glorified but you are made whole and better than you ever thought possible. John Maxwell. I don't know if you've ever read John Maxwell. He's a business guru. Leadership man. Christian. And his main thing is leadership. But I was reading in one of his books. And it says. Opportunity is birthed out of problems. Think about that. This is the, I mean, he's, he he got to be thinking of passages like this. Opportunity is birthed out of problems. Paul's got some problems in this passage. Bit by a snake, starving, arrested, heading to Rome. Not how he envisioned it. Opportunity is birthed out of problems. The birthplace of opportunity is always in adversary. In fact, if you are looking for big opportunities, seek out, seek out big problems, is what John Maxwell will say. You hear that? Seek out big problems. Now, how many of us are saying, I want to seek out big problems? But ain't that the truth? If we want big opportunities, we want God to be glorified. And we say, I want to pray, I want to be like God in the Scriptures. I want to be like Paul. I want to be like Paul. I want to be like Peter. Well, guess what? You've got to act like Peter. And seek out those big problems. You can't say, God, put a hedge of protect me in my pew and let me sit. Oh, I want to be like Peter in my pew while I'm sitting. 
That's not what Peter was, was he? Peter was out there making mistakes. Putting his foot in his mouth. Paul was out there arguing. Running, getting people mad at him. Opportunities come with the struggle. And so I think, you know, as we think about that, what opportunities has God brought to you through the struggle? And if you say, well, you know, I went through a struggle, but I don't see any opportunities, it's probably because you weren't holding tight to God. You weren't, you were giving up. And therefore, you missed the opportunity. You missed the opportunity. I mean, what does that mean for what? Are, what does that mean for me and my next steps? Right, that's what we always talk about. Our next. What does that mean for me? It's not good for me just to say, "Well, that was interesting." What does that mean for me and my next step? My next step is one, if I am going through the storm, and I know some of you are going through the storm. Some of you got storms so big, you don't know that there isn't life without a storm. You got to hold tight and look for the opportunities that God is presenting. And it will end someday. Now, some of you, you went into the storm and you let go. You ran out the other end and you missed the opportunity. You didn't hold on to God. You failed. And you know what? That's okay, God, too, because God is a merciful and graceful God. And we can even learn. There's even grace and mercy in the fact that you failed. Because now you can say, you know what, I know that I missed my opportunity in that storm. I missed what I was supposed to do in that storm. I'm not going to do it next time. Because guess what, there is going to be another storm. And if you're not in the storm, your brother may be, your sister may be. That person right next to you probably is. And so your job, your next step may be to say, I am here with you. You are not alone. Even though you feel, you can't see, you can't see me because it's dark in there. It's dark in the storm. You can't see the moon. You can't see the stars. You can't see 10 feet in front of yourself. You can't see me. But you're not alone. I'm here. I'm walking beside you. And so your job may be to come up and encourage those who are going through the storm. And we're all called to encourage. Some of you have, are, are, we're all called to encourage one another and walk together. Now, some of you have the gift of encouragement. That's that spiritual gift found in Romans chapter 12. That gift, your, your Bible may translate exhortation. You know they have the gift you, some of you have that gift that you know the needs of someone else before they've even asked you about it. And your job is to come up beside them and walk with them. But even if that's not your gift, 
you still get to encourage one another. And the best thing you do sometimes is just walk up and let them know you're not alone. Give them a hug. Don't try to fix the situation. I'm bad about that. I try to fix things. It's not always helpful, but it's true. Your next step may be to say, I know you're in distress. Let me be with you. And when you go through the storm, when you go through the struggles, look for the opportunity that God is bringing to you for His glory, but not just His glory, to make you whole, to bring you to a new place of orientation, a new orientation. Not, let's get back to the way things used to be. I tell people that with this COVID thing. We don't want to go back to the way things used to be. We want to go forward. We want to be new opportunity. We want to be better than we were before. And that's how storms are. We want to be better than we were before. So if you're going through it, if you're not even here, you're online because you're going through it too bad. You can't even be with people right now. That's okay. You are not alone. Hold tight to Jesus Christ through the storm. Father God, we praise you today, Lord. Father, we pray that you continue to send the Holy Spirit to guide us, to give us light and direction. Lord, we pray for those who are going through the storm right now that you will give them peace and comfort, but that you won't just run them out of the storm, you will lead them to the place of newness, to wholeness in this opportunity. Lord, we pray that those who are not in the storm right now, that they will come up beside those who are and love on them, even if they cannot see them. Because we want to shine your love that shines down on us. We love because we are first loved by you. So let us be your lighthouse in the darkness for those who are struggling. Let us fight for those who are without and in the storm. And Lord, we pray that if we go into the storm, bring someone beside us to be the light when we need it. As we need your grace and your mercy, let us radiate your love in this fallen and dark world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.